Hello, I'm Father Fred Caldwell, a Catholic priest in McKinney, Texas. And my name is George. I've been studying the Bible and religion all my life. Together, we'll be taking a new and often unexpected look at all things spiritual. And our podcast is named Soul Survivors. Good morning, Father Fred. How are you? I'm doing fine, uh, George. Good to be here. And Roman's here with us again today. It's always nice to have Roman here. Before we get into today's podcast, which I think is going to be number 12, correct? Uh, yes, that's it. I had some things happen this week that made me think about episode 10. When we were studying about three mysterious visitors that visited Abraham and Sarah and told Sarah that she was going to be a mother at this time next year, Sarah laughed. The Bible said that Sarah was withered. And I was questioning whether that meant she was just childbearing age, but she was still very beautiful outside uh, in physical appearance. And you said, well, whatever, she was not Bridget Bardot in her time. But I happened to see a picture of Bridget Bardot a couple of days later. Bridget Bardot in her prime was a very attractive woman. And then I saw a picture of Bridget Bardot when she was older and she was an average looking woman. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it made me think how beauty fades. And what's most important is inner beauty. And I was thinking about 1 Peter 3, 3, I think. And it says, cultivate inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. The holy women of old were beautiful before God that way and were good, loyal wives to their husbands. Sarah, for instance, taking care of Abraham, would address him as my dear husband. You'll be true daughters of Sarah if you do the same, unanxious and unintimidated. And I got very lucky. I happened to marry a woman who's beautiful on the outside and on the inside, but she never cares for jewelry or fancy clothes or fancy purses. She's very down to earth, very level-headed, and I really admire her about that. I was lucky to get somebody that was beautiful inside and out. You sure were. I was too. I married a girl that was beautiful on the inside and out, and I know whenever she passed away, and we started to give away her clothes. She had very few clothes. Everything that she bought was for me. She was so thoughtful. It was just wonderful to have a woman like that. Yes. And Roman, don't know where you are in your dating life, but my advice to you is look for a woman who's is as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. It gave me a thumbs up. All right. Uh, the other thing was we had an exterminator come to our house and he was going to be inside and we couldn't go in for five hours. So my wife said, well, I'm going to go visit our daughter in her apartment. So she went and visited our daughter. And I said, you know what? I can hang out in our back porch for five hours or so. And I'm going to grill and have a cooler full of drinks and hang out with the dog. That was an abysmally bad idea. It was 105 and I was tired and I was hot. I couldn't go inside. I had to get the water hose and keep spraying down my dog so my dog wouldn't get overheated. And as the sun got hotter and hotter, the shade got smaller and smaller, and I was reduced to a two-foot-by-two-foot square patch of shade in the corner of the porch. And I was sitting there hoping this little square patch of shade didn't go away so that I could survive the afternoon heat. So don't ever hang out in your backyard in the summer in Texas for, for five hours. That's a really bad idea. But we were talking about how important shade was in the desert, and that reminded me how important shade is anywhere you go. And when I look for a parking spot... I don't look for the closest parking spot. I look for a parking spot in the shade. The other thing is, is I went inside and I was really thirsty and hungry after being outside for five hours. And I started looking for something to eat and I saw a container of cottage cheese. And I thought, that just does not sound appetizing right now after being out in the heat. And we're kind of theorizing 
when it said that Abraham served curds and weighed to those mysterious visitors if it was cottage cheese. I don't know if it was or not, but I can guarantee you that it does not sound good after being out in the heat all day. So I started doing some research and the scholars say, well, they're not really sure what it was, but it was some kind of milk that had clotted and it could be anything from cheese to yogurt to a yogurt drink. So they don't really know. And so I kind of tend to think this is more like a yogurt or something that was thick and creamy that they could drink and refresh themselves with. Roman, before we get into today's lesson, would you like to summarize number 11? It would be my pleasure. So in episode 11, Lot is in front of his tent and the Lord appears. Lot jumps and runs to him. Suddenly there are three men standing there. Chapters 18 and 19 of Genesis are about hospitality. Lot serves these people to a feast and does not even know them. A preview of Sodom's demise is given to two of the men that appeared to go on to Sodom and the people in the town, not just the men, all of the people, call out for the angels to have sex with them. Lot, because of his need to protect his guests, offers his daughters instead. The head of the house has all authority. The writer is using this story to show just what an obligation is offered to his guest. Poor girls, poor sons-in-law. Remember to read this, not why would God allow such a thing, but why did the writer write it this way? The teaching for these two chapters is the importance of hospitality. Thank you, Roman. First of all, first-time listeners, do not start with this episode. Go to the first one, because each one builds upon the other. Start with 001, or by the name of two stories of the flood. Second, get your Bible ready so that you can read along with me and get a pencil and a sheet of paper to write down any scripture that you might like to look up afterwards because we're going to be skipping around a little bit in the Bible today. Also, you can stop the podcast at any time to look up scripture. So we have reviewed a little bit of, of chapter 18. Let's go now to chapter 19. In chapter 19, Lot does not yet know that the men are God's messengers. The authority of the patriarch within his house was virtually absolute. Lot's extreme response to offer his daughters to a violent mob seems to be motivated by the obligation of hospitality. It's uncertain whether Lot's sons-in-laws were fully married to his daughters or only engaged to them, or even whether the daughters were involved that two that are being handed over. Now, with that in mind, let's go on to chapter 19, and we're going to find that this family is one dysfunctional family. If, if you go to verse 30 in chapter 19, we start reading this. You can open your Bible to chapter 30 or, and get your pencil ready to your paper. Since Lot was afraid to stay in Zoar, he and his two daughters went up from Zoar and settled in the hill country, where he lived with his two daughters in a cave. The firstborn said to the younger, Our father is getting old, and there's not a man in the land to have intercourse with, so it's, let's do as the custom is everywhere. Come, let us ply our father with wine, and then lie with him, that we may ensure posterity by our father. So that night they plied their father with wine, and the firstborn went in and lay with him, with her father, but he was not aware of her lying down or getting up. The next day the firstborn said to the younger, Last night I lay with my father, let us ply him with wine again tonight, and then you go in and lie with him, that we may ensure posterity by our father. That's going to be weird for us. So that night, too, they plied their father with wine, and then the younger went in and lay with him, but he was not aware of her lying down or getting up. 
Thus the two daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father, and here's what they named him. The firstborn gave birth to a son whom she named Moab, which means from my father. He is the ancestor of the Moabites today. The younger one, too, gave birth to a son, and she named him Ammon, which means the son of my kin. He is the ancestor of the Ammonites today. The Ammonites and the Moabites were in a way related to the Israelites, but they were also considered enemies. They were not allowed to participate in the covenant of the Lord. So as we finish that chapter, let's look now at, we're going to go to chapter 20. Chapter 20 is one that was strange for the scholars. It didn't match somebody from the north because it didn't show God as such a heavy-handed person, and it didn't have a lot of details. It doesn't seem to be from the south because it's not Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. It's God, God, God. So this chapter 20 seems to be, possibly at least, scholars say, from another source. They call the source E from Elohim because that was the word that was used in the Hebrew. As we read this, before we read chapter 20, it's going to, I want to share something with you from what we had in a reading before in chapter 18. And this is what George was talking about a while ago. Chapter 18, verse 12. So if you don't have time to look for this in your Bible, just jot this down. Chapter 18, verse 12 says, So Sarah laughed to herself and said, Now that I am worn out and my husband is old, am I still to have sexual pleasure? In the NIV, it says, I am withered. So she is not able to have sexual pleasure. She's not having to, able to have children. But this chapter 20 is going to sound odd because this happens two chapters after 18. This is chapter 20. From there, Abraham journeyed on to the region of the Negev, that's the desert, in the south, where he settled between Kedesh and Shur. Shur is down toward Egypt. While he resided in Gerar as an alien, Abraham said to his wife Sarah, here comes the strange part, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Remember these two names, Abimelech and Gerar, because it's going to be the same thing in another one that we're going to look at. Another same story, but it's going to be from the south as Yahweh, not as E from a, a, a different source. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, you're about to die because of the woman you have taken, for she has a husband. Now, he had no idea that this woman was married. And Abimelech, who had not approached her, said, O Lord, would you kill an innocent man? He's innocent because he's not even touched her. Was he not the one who told me she's my sister? She herself also stated, he's my brother. I acted with a pure heart and with clean hands. She really says that she's the sister. And God answered him in the dream. Yes, I know you did it with a pure heart. In fact, it was I who kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. It never does say that Abimelech took her because she was beautiful. But from the context, we know that that's why he took her. And the Lord had to stop him from touching her. So now return the man's wife so that he may intercede for you since he's a prophet that you may live. If you do not return her, you can be sure that you and all of yours will die. He hasn't done anything. He's been going to be punished, not just him, but all of his people are going to die. And this is not a sin of, of something he's done. It's just his intention. Early the next morning, Abimelech called on all his servants and informed them of everything that had happened. 
and the men were filled with fear. Then Abimelech summoned Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? What wrong did I do to you that you would have brought such a great guilt on me and, and my kingdom? You've treated me in an intolerable way. What did you have in mind? Abimelech asked him, that you would do such a thing. Abraham answered, I thought that there would be no f fear of God in this place, and so they would kill me on account of my wife. Now, why in the world would somebody want to kill you just because of your wife, especially if she's all worn out? Besides, now here's something that's different. In the, we're going to have three stories that are going to be similar here. This is the only one that says in verse 12 in chapter 20, we read, Besides, she really is my sister, but only my father's daughter, not my mother's. And so she became my wife. When God sent me wandering from my father's house, I asked her, Would you do me this favor? In whatever place we come to, say he is my brother. Then Abimelech took flocks and herds and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham, and he restored his wife Sarah to him. Boy, that's, that's a, he's got a good thing going there. Then Abimelech said, Here, my land is at your disposal. Settle wherever you please. Every time they offer their wife as their sister, they get all kinds of gifts. To Sarah he said, I hereby give your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This will preserve your honor before all who are with you and will exonerate you before everyone's eyes. Abraham then interceded with God. Abraham's the one that did the, the wrong thing. Why is he interceding for Abimelech? Abraham then interceded with God, and God restored health to Abimelech, to his wife and his maidservants, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed every womb of Abimelech's household on account of Abraham's wife, Sarah. That is pretty tough going, just because he was doing it out of not out of anger or not out of anything he thought was wrong. Now, let's go back to chapter 12, and we're going to read about Abram and Sarah. This is before he became Abraham. And remember what we had just a while ago, that he went in and told her to be his sister. This is in chapter 12. You can write this down or turn in your Bible if you have time. Chapter 12, verse 10. Abraham and Sarah in Egypt. And here's the way we read it. There was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, since the famine in the land was severe. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know that you are a beautiful woman. Here comes the trick again. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, she is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. She must have been a good looking woman that they're going to kill him just to get his wife. And here it comes again. Please say, therefore, that you are my sister so that I may fare well on your account, and my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram arrived in Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. When Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into the Pharaoh's house. Abram fared well on her account, and look at what he gets here. He acquired sheep, oxen, male and female servants, male and female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his household with severe punishment because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Why is he not striking Abram? The Pharaoh summoned Abram and said to him, How could you do this to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say, She's my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now here's your wife. Take her and leave. Get out of my house, is what he's telling him. Then the Pharaoh gave his men orders concerning Abram, and they sent him away with his wife. Then Pharaoh gave his men orders concerning Abram, and they sent him away 
with his wife and all that belonged to him. And that's going to be quite a bit that belongs to him. He's got camels, he's got donkeys, he's got all of the things that he would he would need or things that he wouldn't would not even need maybe. Now here is one completely different. We're going now to chapter 26. I'm going to go back to the others, but first of all, I want to uh, share with you in this chapter 26, verse 1, chapter 26. There was a famine in the land, distinct from the earlier one that had occurred in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went down to Abimelech, same king, king of the Philistines in Gerar, same town. The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but camp in this land wherever I tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you, for to you and your descendants I will give you all these lands in fulfillment of the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands, and in your descendants all the nations of the earth will find blessing. This because Abraham obeyed me, keeping my mandate, my commandments, my ordinances, and my instruction. So Isaac is going to settle in the same place that Abram did, Gerar. When the men of the place asked questions about his wife, now get this one, she is my sister. He was afraid that if he called her his wife, the men of the place would kill him on account of Rebekah, since she was beautiful. But when they had been there for a long time, this is the first time it's been a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw Isaac fondling his wife, Rebekah. He called for Isaac and said, she must certainly be your wife. How could you have said, she is my sister? Isaac replied, I thought I might lose my life on her account. How could you have done this to us? exclaimed Abimelech. It would have taken very little for one of the people to lie with your wife, and so you would have brought guilt upon us. Abimelech then commanded all the people, anyone who maltreats this man or his wife shall be put to death. And here, in this one, he does not get cattle, but it says in verse 12, Isaac sowed a crop in that region and reaped a hundredfold the same year since the Lord blessed him. He became richer and richer all the time until he was very wealthy. He acquired flocks and herds and a great workforce so that the Philistines became envious of him. There's three short stories that have been put together by the redactor. They liked it once, so they put it twice. They liked it twice, so they put it three times. That's the end of the story on Isaac and his wife. Before we continue on, I want to ask my two compadres if they have any thoughts on what I was talking about. Why don't we start with Roman? I was a little curious about the story of Abimelech and Abraham and how it's also with Isaac and Sarah. And I was wondering at first, since the Abraham source is from E, if I was told incorrectly and they got the characters wrong, or it's told out of sequence with the rest of the chronological story of Genesis, since it is a different source being inputted in between the south and northern, perhaps, Israel. I think what's going on, Roman, is that there were a lot of different people writing different stories, and they were just a lot of short stories which wouldn't make a, a good continuing series. So the editor, or the redactor, decided to put this story here and this story there and just trying to connect them. And, and I think the redactor was not really concerned about 
chronological order. This is not a, like a, you read a history book or a novel where one builds on the other and it just goes from chapter one to chapter two. This is not a book of history. It's a book of faith. And they just put them in where these short stories where they, they would like to put them. Father Fred, I was doing a little research and it said that Abimelech gave Abraham a thousand shekels. A shekel is about four ounces of silver. So in today's dollar, that's almost $100,000. He had a good thing going. That whole family did. If it's good for the daddy, it's good for the son. We cannot possibly understand how Lot's daughters got him drunk and slept with him and conceived children that were their fathers. That is just appalling to us today. But I think, as you mentioned, that kind of shows the dysfunction of Lot's family. So remember when the men were trying to break down the door and get to the visitors, he offered his daughters, which were probably very frightening and traumatic to them. And then his son-in-laws didn't say anything, or at least there's nothing recorded. And when Lot said, hey, we got to flee to the hills, they thought he was joking. And then when he was out trying to flee, he said, well, I can't make it to the hills. Can I go to this little city here? And it seemed like the whole time, Lot did not fully commit himself to what the Lord wanted him to do. He was always trying to stay as close to the sin as he could. And Lot's wife turned around and looked. And I was wondering if, if that's perhaps a metaphor for her not wanting to leave her old life behind. And the consequences of her actions was that she was turned into a pillar of salt. So it seems like Lot is a very weak man spiritually. I think he had not much of a backbone. He also, if you remember when he was in the house, they told him, let's go. And he didn't, he didn't go. So the angels had to take him by the hand and lead him out. He was not one that was real strong. That's interesting that somebody who had a weak character like that was still a faithful servant of God. That we're all that way. We're all, we're all like Lot in some way or another. We're a lot like Lot. Okay, Father Fred, anything you want to say in summary? I would like to have known the redactor and ask him why he put certain chapters in certain places, having Sarah old and, and withered, and then two chapters later, she's so beautiful that a king takes her for his own, and every time it causes problems. Well, thank you again, Father Fred, for an interesting podcast. We're out of time. We'll pick up with podcast number 13 next time. Hopefully 13 won't be unlucky. For wow, that, I never thought of that. You know, in, in the United States, Friday the 13th is unlucky. In Mexico, it's Tuesday the 13th. In Mexico, on, the, on Tuesday the 13th, they say, ni te cases, ni te viajes. Don't travel and don't get married on the 13th if it's a Tuesday. Interesting. Roman, uh, did you have anything to add? I just interesting how when we read the Old Testament, we see a lot of people who often make a lot of mistakes, and we just see God continually blessing all the while. Thank you, Roman. I guess it makes him feel good because we know we do the same thing. Well, thank you both for your time today, and we'll see you in the next podcast.